Welcome to the Rockin' Life podcast, Rockin' Life After Divorce. And today we have a team, Amber, Ryan, and Tiercy. How are you guys doing today? Great. Doing that's, well. That's awesome. And you're all different parts of the world. I'm in Dallas. Amber, where are you? I am in Salt Lake, Utah. Salt Lake. And Ryan? Oh, well, today I'm in Boise, Idaho. Coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, but wow. in Boise today. And Tiercy? I am also in Utah. I'm in Utah County. I just want to share a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. And in relationships, it's easy to lose yourself and get a little bit off track, if you put it that way. Anybody that has been or is in a relationship will benefit from this episode. I truly believe that. We're going to talk about uh, loving yourself and how you can lose yourself in a relationship and uh, how that can affect the relationship and also to how to avoid that in a future relationship. And uh, the podcast is about helping people through divorce, through talking about the stories about divorce and also how to, to help people bring hope to people that are either going through divorce or have been uh, dealing with divorce issues or going into a new relationship. And this podcast episode, we're going to talk about both how we lost ourselves in our relationship and how we can learn from that and how to, to get back on track. And if you're in a relationship, how do you not lose yourself again? So these are the things that we're going to talk about. And I'm so pleased to have you all here. I just wanted to invite you to our weekly Authentic Connection Workshop that we have every Monday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time where we gather in a Zoom room and we have a workshop to learn how to go from being lonely, disconnected, not having friends, to learn the skills on how to connect, how to have deep, fulfilling friendships and relationships. And this training I will have every Monday going on. It's free for you listeners that wants to become better at connecting with other people. It can be with your friends, to gain friends, to not being lonely. I went through extreme loneliness, and this is some of the training I went through with my mentor and trainer, John Maxwell. And I will teach you the five principles of connecting, and we will also practice those connections with each other in this workshop and i really want you to check it out i'd love to interact with you and it's going to be a lot of fun you might feel uncomfortable initially to to join but please join there's so much power in just taking that active step instead of sitting passively at home not having those friends this will also help you to connect with romantic relationships or with your children or in work so this type of training, you will be benefited by in all areas of life. It's one of the most important things to learn is how to connect with other people. And I'm really looking forward to hearing from you. And you can click on the link in the description below to schedule your attendance at the meeting. And it's limited to 12 people. So make sure that you book it as soon as possible. Love to see you there. And uh, Tiercy is going to share a little story to start again here. Yeah, lucky me. I remember it was some, I don't know if I was separated or very newly divorced, but sitting in my therapist's office and I was in despair, deep despair. And I remember asking him, we were talking about this very topic. And I said, do people actually really love themselves? Is this obtainable? And his response was, it's obtainable and I love myself. And he's like, people do love themselves. And I remember thinking he was so lucky. And yet five years later, here I am and I love myself. <laughs> so it's, it's obtainable for everyone. I remember it was seemed so far out there to me. And it's a great journey to be on for sure. I wouldn't trade this journey for anything. Yeah. And uh, when you go through divorce, it can be a very dark place. It can be a lot of loneliness and uh, you're doubting yourself. It, it's, it can be very difficult. And like every single person I've talked to have dealt with loneliness, depression, and 
uh, and suicidal thoughts and to get back on that track and, and really loving what you're doing. It's, I currently in, is in the best place of my whole life. I, I feel so good, but it's been a long journey. It's taken over five years to get back on track or a few years. It, it takes time. And a lot of people say, you just have to love yourself. But how do you love yourself? It's easy to say that, just love yourself. But it's kind of like people say that. But do you all have any ideas? How do you get on that kind of like bandwagon if, if you have these uh, bad thoughts and you're quite low? I think for me, the original, like when I got divorced, I had to get over this mindset of we want to love ourselves. Like we want to wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and think, oh, I'm a good person. <laughs> and I think it's almost natural for us as humans. We want somebody else to love us first so that we can be validated before we can love ourselves. And so that, that natural inclination after divorce is to go find somebody else who will validate the fact that I love myself. Yeah. And so when we start looking for those people, especially and we talked about this in our last podcast, when you go on uh, the dating apps and you're trying to find multiple people to love you and then you realize they don't love me, they don't love me, they don't love me. And so you're constantly going, oh, wait a second. I can't find somebody to validate the fact that I love myself. And then I start talking myself into the fact, well, if they don't love me, then how do I love me? Instead of really taking the time, and we're going to get into this later, but taking the time to look at myself and to love myself. So that's kind of my, my first step was realizing I don't need other people to validate the truth that I love myself. Yeah. But we do it. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you realize that? For me, it was... <clears throat> like kind of like a fog going through initial stages of, of the divorce. First, probably first year. It was also more luck than, than anything else to get a counselor and a coach. But to having somebody else to help you through the process that was very beneficial for me to open my eyes. to tell It's very easy to have a tunnel vision. And how did you guys realize, Tiercy, how did you realize that, uh, or Amber, uh, that you were having to kind of like move through this process? For me, it was very evident. I, for lots of reasons, I didn't love myself. A lot of that came from criticism I received during my marriage. But I realized I would give my friends advice about different things. And I'm like, why don't I ever give myself the same advice? Why am I so compassionate to other people? And I am not at all compassionate to myself. It's like I punished myself twice for making mistakes. So I made the mistake and had those consequences. And then in my head, I was punishing myself for making the mistake. And I realized I need to talk to myself the way I talk to my friends. So for me, the very first step was practicing self-compassion. So for me, that was one of the biggest contributors to learning to love myself. And it's really ironic. But for me, it was almost this epiphany of, I'm Flossom. This is the word that I came up, that I saw. I think I saw it on, I talked about my angry pinning in my podcast with you. I saw it on Pinterest and it was Flossom, meaning I'm awesome with flaws. And I adopted that word so much in the early day, years of my divorce. And I realized as soon as I realized I can be 10% bitchy, I can be 10% vindictive, I can be 10% X, Y, and Z. I then I don't know why accepting those negatives, not negative. Okay. I hate to say negative because we're all human. It's a human condition. I accepted those things about myself. Then all of a sudden I accepted, I am a really kind person. I value kindness. I saw the good things in myself too. It was a weird dynamic. I remember thinking, why did it take accepting these perceived negative things about myself before I could accept the positive? But I am a good person. I think most people will tell you in my friend groups, Tiercy is so kind. She's forgiving and kind and merciful. I think those are the words. And I really got that way by practicing it with my friends and then practicing it with myself. That was the number one thing that I did. And I feel like it's part of the, how do you love yourself? Practice that self-compassion. Catch yourself thinking those thoughts. Those thoughts are rampant in our in our brains. And I don't know the psychology terms, but I know through years of thinking, I have dug the trenches of those paths, right? Like I'm so stupid. I always make mistakes. Those paths have been carved into my brain. It is possible to recarve them by saying, I made a mistake. I'm not defined by my mistake. Hey, and how do I fix this? I can do better next time A, because I learned or, oh, I learned you don't do this. You should do that. Recarving those pathways is some, it's a visual. I think of 
how the Grand Canyon was carved by water. Yeah. We do that in our brains. And I think it's so important recognizing they can be retrained. Yeah, absolutely. And using positive affirmations, I think is crucial to move through this process because you have these thoughts popping up continuously and they, they pop up automatically, but the positive things, they don't pop up automatically. So those are kind of like you have to start programming yourself and reprogramming yourself in a way. I, and I, I think that's for anybody. It's not somebody, just somebody that is in a divorce. Anybody that has dealing with low self-esteem, dealing with not loving yourself. This is kind of like a path to carve out towards, towards that. And so Amber, what do you think? I feel like there's like two things going on here. It's the like, how do you start loving yourself? How do you realize you didn't? I'm going <laughs> to, on the like, how do you start avenue of that? I agree with you guys. Everything starts in the thoughts, the things that we tell ourselves, the things that live in our brain, right? I have heard this over and really applied it to my life. The concept of you find what you're looking for and what you focus on grows. There's also the concept of your self-talk, your self-image, right? You can't make a big jump. You can't tell yourself if you feel certain things and you shouldn't focus on that, you can't make this big jump of, I'm just going to tell myself I'm amazing. I'm just going to tell myself this. If you don't really believe it, actually there's science that shows behind that, that it's even more counterintuitive, but you have to make little jumps, right? And so when those negative thoughts come in, instead of shifting to what's the opposite, I want, this is what I want to get, like moving a little bit up the scale. Those thoughts are so important, shifting them. It's, we have what, like, hundreds of thousands of thoughts in our head every day. Our thoughts become our emotions, become our actions, become our behavior, become our reality. And so that's where it starts. The, I can be really upset about myself for this and think I suck. I'm not lovable. I'm whatever. Right. Or I can be like, okay, maybe I didn't show really great here, but I can recognize that and I can do a little bit better next time. And I can forgive myself and I can improve little by little. I think we all try to make this big jump. I just need to love myself. I just, but it comes in these small, like, it's okay that I did that accepting. And then the more we can accept ourselves, the more we can begin to embrace ourselves. And we start that journey of loving ourselves. Yeah. And I agree hundred percent because it was like, for me, I didn't realize my process of, of, of uh, progression until years later, because I've taken all these small steps. And then now five years later, I'm looking back at it and see, wow, the process has been amazing. But when you're in it, it take, you might not see the process. Yeah. Can I say something off of what Amber said, those baby steps and that need to be perfect. She didn't mention it, but it made me, my brain go there that need to be perfect. I think so many people say, I'm not perfect. And I know I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. But yet they say that, but then they don't talk the talk. So for, and what I mean by that is this, I one time was in Williamsburg with my brother-in-law and we saw a street sign with the name Tyler on it. And that's my son's name, by the way, shout out to my son. He's 20 today. Happy birthday, Tyler. And so I said, Hey, can I get a picture of that sign? And he's yeah, let's do it. And he's, turned the car around. And so I got out and I um, said, I handed him my phone. I'm like, Hey, can you get a picture of me? And he did. And then, but when we got back in the car, he was like, you're, you were kind of picky. And I started to be like, bite him on that. And he's like, wait, he's, is picky a bad thing? And I'm like, I paused and and he goes, if I'm a brain surgeon, don't you want me to be picky? If I'm your interior decorator, don't you want me to be picky? Is picky a bad thing? And I'm like, No. And he goes, so next time when I say you're picky, I want you to agree with me. And I said, okay. And he goes, so, Hey, you were really picky about that picture. And I went, yeah, you know what? That picture mattered to me. I was picky about how I wanted that taken. And he went, Oh, okay. Like totally different conversation. When I owned up to the, so it's that need to be perfect. If I think I'm perfect, I'm going to fight him in that moment. What do you mean? I was picky. I wasn't picky. But when I could accept, you know what, I was picky and that doesn't mean it's bad. It's something I'm trying to implement. It is not easy in those moments to go, yeah, I was really bitchy to you. I'm so sorry. Or, hey, 
I was this, but I've learned my conversations go so much differently when I can show up that way. And that's part of loving myself. And this is going back to what Amber said, I can accept that I don't, I have this side of me that, hey, I don't always, I want to show up better next time. I want to show up more differently. Anyway, I just think that ability to go, yeah, I was this is so critical to our, to loving ourselves because then we don't condemn ourselves for it, but then it also makes conversation very different with the person you're talking to. Yeah, that's good. Hey, Ryan, what do you have to comment on the girls? <laughs> well, I'm not going to comment on the girls. I'd get in trouble with that. I'll, yeah, I'll... I, was, I was called babe this morning by you. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> you, are, you are a babe. Not necessarily my babe, but you are a babe. I like all of that. And I, when I think about personally myself, so I used to be a pastor. I'm not sure if I talked about that on the last podcast or not, yeah. but I'm used to extending a lot of grace to people. Like when people do things that maybe offend me and I you know, forgive easily. Uh, and that's not to say that in a moment, I don't have a burst of like outrage internally and anger. Like, why did they do this? But I was all, I'm always learned very quickly to, to give grace. What I did not learn, I think this goes to what Tiercy was just saying, is that I never give myself grace. Like I never because I'm so hard on myself internally, I'm not really a perfectionist, but I, I want to be better. And so I'm always self-criticizing, self-analyzing. And I don't know, Tiercy and Amber, that I'm to that point of where like, I'm okay with those character flaws. I will call them character, flawsome is a great word. Because there are things in my life that I still want to improve on and work on and be a better person. But there are also things that are in my personality that, someone might call like the picky that you said would call bad, but that's who I am. And some of it's not going to change. Some of it's not gonna, but if I rechannel that energy, like you said, with the brain surgeon or, or the whatever, I can use those things in my life to improve my life and improve the lives of those around me. So I'm not, I don't know that I'm there yet. I'm still trying to accept all of my flossomeness. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> It's definitely a work in progress. I don't think it's ever ending because we're, we have the human condition. Yeah. I, I like that word, flossum. I'm going to implement that. I had it on my mirror for a really, I printed it out at Costco and it was on my mirror for a long time. Now I have it in a picture frame because I need that reminder because we all make mistakes and yeah. So can I real quick with what Ryan said, I think that we have this false idea a lot of times that just because we're working on something, just because we have room to improve, we can't accept that part of ourselves. I think we can both accept and be okay with certain things and still be working on improving those things. We can sit in the, you know what? I'm not perfect with this. I would like to be better with this, but we, there's always things that we're going to be working on. There's always things we, it's that journey, right? Like we can't just be like, well, once I get to this place, then I'll be okay with myself. I think that there is a lot of power in being like, you know what? Here's this thing about me that I'm like, I really wish was different and I'm working on making it be different, but I'm still good. And it's, there's this quote and I can't remember who says it, but it's the, when we don't have to be perfect, we can be good and we can be a mess. Sometimes we can be a work in progress and we can still love and embrace ourselves at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it is a, pro a process. Life is a journey and you learn throughout mistakes. And uh, that's part of the podcast, talking about these mistakes that uh, we have done and learning from them and growing and making a better version of yourself. And uh, yeah. when, when we move through life here, for example, in our own relationships, how did this affect our relationships in the past, our marriages, uh, by not loving ourselves and losing ourselves? I've got a good one I can start with. Go ahead. <laughs> there was some silence. So I, I was in a relationship where I didn't love myself. And I wanted so badly for so long in my life for somebody else to love me because I didn't understand. I, I just, I wanted to be loved, right? And so I was 
dating this guy. We were, I was in a situation ship, <laughs> but I remember he, I felt like I did so many things. I try to fit in these boxes. I try to do all these things that like he said he wanted and whatever. And, and it just, it never seemed to be enough. And it never seemed to be like, it was, I realized I couldn't stand on my head long enough for him to love me or to be good enough or something like that. And then I, that actually was a, instead of this is how I feel, I realized I was doing the exact same thing to him because he had been expressing these things as well. I was, I was putting it on him. There was, I was making him responsible for filling this aching void inside myself And I realized he couldn't feel that, especially he couldn't feel that if I couldn't feel that. And so that for me was realizing, okay, I don't love myself. That's why I was so desperate to have him love me. And that pressure that when you, especially the way that I did it, so desperately put the need to feel loved on someone else else it had we both had he been completely healthy and healed and in this place obviously we probably wouldn't have resonated but I wanted so desperately that I would have made it toxic I would have made it we couldn't have been healthy because I was depending on him to love me and I messed up everything every relationship until I realized that's what I was doing. And I've messed up relationships since then too. It's not like (laughs) that fixed it, but it was a turning point and realizing, okay, I need to fill this. Somebody else can't. How did you come to that awareness? That I needed to do it? Yeah. Well, just because I realized that he couldn't, he like, he would do everything I wanted. He would do like everything I said, all these things. It was whatever situation. And I still wasn't feeling it. And I still wasn't, there was, I couldn't understand and accept that somebody else could love me and could feel these certain ways because I didn't accept those things in myself until I could see it. I couldn't accept anybody else seeing it and reflecting it back to me. Wow. Tara, I feel like, I I think you, hit the nail on the head when you're like, I started dating too early because you wanted to fill that void. I think when, well, it doesn't matter whether you've been divorced three months or five years, if you are so, how do I say there's a desperation when you don't love yourself to be loved and to be in a relationship. I, when you, I think when you love yourself, I, I feel like this for me, like I still, I love relationships. I love being coupled. I love the, I love that belonging of a partnership, but I'm not desperate for it. I'm not, I'm going out and creating my best life right now, single and happy. And I'm, I'm building my life so that someone can be an addition to it, yeah. not become does that, what I'm saying make sense? Like, I That's just, awesome. I really, yeah, I, so I still want that. Des- I still have the desire to be coupled. I don't think that's going to go away for me. My big joke is I didn't even come into this world alone because no. I'm a triplet. Like I'm not meant to be alone, <laughs> no. but I am absolutely happy and at peace and content with my life right now because I love myself. I've learned to love myself. And there's days where I'm like, I had a, an, an incident with a guy and one of my friends the other day. And I'm like, I reached out to him like, I handled that really wrongly. I wish I had done it this way. And he was really gracious and accepted my apology. And then he said, but hey, this is what happened with me. This is what was going on. And so I still make mistakes and I I could forgive him and he forgave me because we both realized, wow, we, we're not, we're flossom. Yeah. Anyway, I think when that desperation is gone, whether you express the desperation or not inside you know why you want that someone I feel. And if not, that's the place to start. Ask yourself, why do I feel so desperate, but desperate to have someone in my life? I think that is really good. I've shared before on the podcast, my journey, and I started dating way too early. 
only because I was trying to fill a void inside of me. I was lonely, depressed, in a poor state. And then I just realized I dated out of the wrong reason. I didn't know it was like missing things inside of me, like loving yourself, etc. But I see that as a journey now, uh, looking back. You know, I took two years off dating and did not date, just started doing things for myself, like playing tennis, playing golf, having fun by myself. And I was very content. And then a relationship just happened organically, which I think was really in a very good spot. And I like that I'm not desperate. When you come to that point, I think that's a lot of these things have come into place. And another thing I did was to start surrounding me with people that can build you up too, like positive people that uh, speak into your life and choosing, be very choosing in who, who you spend time with is also important, I think. Not having people that criticize you constantly, but having people that build you up, that wants the best for you, etc. But I actually uh, just, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I, I actually just read an article that said you are who you surround yourself with. Yeah. And you usually say that uh, you become who your be- five best yep, friends five are. Best friends. Yep. And it said, make sure you pick people. I mean, we all have our bad days and we kind of all have bad moments, but they're like, make sure you pick people who build you up. Yeah. I just wanted to invite you to our weekly authentic connection workshop that we have every Monday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, where we gather in a Zoom room and we have a workshop to learn how to go from being lonely, disconnected, not having friends, to learn the skills on how to connect, how to have deep, fulfilling friendships and relationships. And this training I have every Monday, it's free for you listeners that wants to become better at connecting with other people. It can be with your friends, to gain friends, to not being lonely. And I will teach you the five principles of connecting. And we will also practice those connections with each other in this workshop. And I really want you to check it out. I'd love to interact with you. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Please join. There's so much power in just taking that active step instead of sitting passively at home not having those friends. This will also help you to connect with romantic relationships or with your children or in work. So this type of training, you will be benefited by in all areas of life. It's one of the most important things to learn is how to connect with other people. You can click on the link in the description below to schedule your attendance at the meeting and it's limited to 12 people so make sure that you book it as soon as possible love to see you there so ryan is it any difference for guys compared to uh, to girls or women or babes (laughs) (laughs) no as we're talking i think so we've all had experiences where it's we we call it a, a toxic relationship or relationship that just didn't fit. And we kept trying to make it work over and over again. And we lose ourselves in that trying to make it work. And I've got two of those under my belt. I've got like a 14 month one, which was about a year after my divorce. I did the same thing you did pair as far as dating too quickly, got into that relationship too soon, took like a two and a half year hiatus from relationships. I dated some, but I tried to make it very sparse. And then I got into another relationship that lasted about four months and it was toxic again. And we lose ourselves in those. So I spent so much time working on those, but we can lose ourselves even in, in good relationships. I'm in probably, uh, it'll be six months in February that I'll be in my current relationship. Uh, most healthy relationship I've ever had. Communication is great. Boundaries have been set on, on both of our sides. She lives in Idaho. I live in Tennessee. And so to make it work, we have to see each other every other month. So that takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, and it also takes a lot of time and energy to communicate in those three to four weeks where we don't physically see each other. But then you have to be careful, even though it's so super healthy. I am the most loved and accepted I've ever been, but I've still got to work on my life and not get lost in this super awesome, good relationship, right? Yeah. And so she has to do the same thing. And so we're constantly like 
I, the only word I can think of is readjusting our boundaries because she's got to build her life. I've got to build my life. I can't, even though this is great. I mean, I could write a book on how great this relationship's been. And I've never, I, truthfully, I'm going to be honest. I've never been past the three month mark where a relationship didn't go sour in at least one area. Yeah. And so we're six months in and even when we've hit speed bumps, we've worked on it. But, and if she were standing here beside me, I think she would attest to this. It's because we're both constantly working on the things that we set as personal goals before we got into the relationship. Right. And so I think about it this way. So I, I'm a mortgage lender it used to be in, in lending where we, uh, I lent money to, to construction companies where they built houses. So if you're starting out as a construction company and you're building one house, right. You got to get all the supplies to build the foundation. Correct. If I want to try to grow too quickly and I try to add a second house, then my resources and my energies are like put on building this second house at the same time. And if I'm not prepared for both of them, then I'm going to have two shoddy foundations. Right. Yeah. And so with my current girlfriend, we're still building our foundations, right? Yeah. But we both took some time to build our foundations on our own so that we could have a firm, firm foundation going. Because I, so I don't know how you guys are. The, the girls don't have to answer, but I'll be 45 in May. So five years away from that big 5-0. And so I've set some pretty big goals for myself over the next five years. Some of them are inside a relationship, some are outside. So I've got to work on those things every day, every month, every year. And if I don't set aside time to do those outside the relationship, then I lose myself. I lose who I want to be when I turn 50. I'm already gray headed. So I don't. (laughs) Hey, Ryan. Ryan, I'm I'm just going to tell you 50 is not bad. 50 is great for me. (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) Yeah, I was 50 a few months ago. Yeah. I think I saw that on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm over, over 50. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the young of the group. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I appreciate what you said, Ryan, having that foundation, those two independent foundations, I think brings up a very important point, whether you're married, whether you're dating, you need to maintain your, who you are independent of a relationship. Like I love, I think a lot of us lost ourselves in that really in our marriages And I know going forward, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to lose myself. And part of that is knowing who I am, what I love, having those independent hobbies and interests from your person and your own friend groups. I just think it's so important that you maintain your own identity. And I know that's, again, I feel like I'm saying what to do without how to do it. But for me, it's going to be, I still love pickleball. I love pickleball. The next person I date... I want them to like pickleball, but if they don't, A, it's fine. Even if they do, I'm going to go play on my own sometimes because that's that's my interest. I just want to include, I don't want to exclude them from any element of my life. And if they like that, great. And I think being able to take that alone time, even within a relationship is so important. When I was married one day, I was driving, I had gone somewhere and I was driving alone and I was like, I'm alone but I'm not lonely right now. Yeah. And it's still having that feeling as a single person. I am alone, but I'm not lonely. There are day- times I'm lonely. I think when you're single, loneliness is just always going to be there, but there's times where I'm just alone, but I'm not lonely. So mm-hmm. when I'm in a relationship, I still want to maintain that. It's a boundary that I want to maintain. I want to be like, you know what? Even as an extrovert, I need that downtime alone to regenerate, to focus. How do I come up with my goals for myself, if I'm constantly around someone. So for me, I'm all about creating a life that I love. And part of that for me is I've set a goal this, this summer to go on a mini vacation. There's so many places in Utah that are amazing that I just want to go and explore on my own. I'm a little bit cognizant of safety, physical safety for women, but to me, I don't have to be alone to do this journey. It's, but I'm creating it. And Hey, do you want to come with me? Whether that's a guy I'm dating or a friend do you want to come with me? I want to go here. And it's following through on those things that I've set for myself. I think that's how you maintain your self-love and identity when you get back into a new relationship. To take time and do things, even if you're in a relationship, to be able to do things by yourself and not have mm-hmm. everything. And that's what I said about in my marriage. It was a lot. You did almost too many things together. And I, I kind of like lost having these friends going out with a few buddies playing golf, etc. And uh, I think that's important as you progress in a new relationship. And 
I know both Ryan and I talked about codependency and I dealt with a lot of codependency in my relationship. And I've heard the word interdependency. I don't know if you've heard about that, but dependency, no matter what it is, not good. If it's alcohol, drugs, whatever, but interdependency, how would you, do you guys have any thought about that? And I think it's a little bit about what we're just talking about, Amber. Coming off of what everyone has said, and I don't know if this will answer what you were asking or not. One of my biggest steps is for loving myself is being authentic. And I feel like sometimes when we do things, we, when we aren't fully authentic, when we aren't playing pickleball, when we aren't working on our goals, we're not being authentic to ourselves. We are changing ourselves to make things easier in the relationship but not easier for us. And it has a reverse effect. The more we work on ourselves, I'm not sure what you are meaning by interdependent exactly. Cause I feel like everyone else has to, everyone has their own definitions for certain words. And so sometimes I've heard people use that in a negative term. And I don't know that if that's what you are referring to it in like a negative way or interdependence on like in a good way. In a where good way. In a good way. Okay. Like, so where you are each your own person and then can come together. I, so I feel like the more I am authentic to me, the more I am focused on what I need, filling my own needs, fueling my own dreams. And the more that somebody else that I am exploring a relationship with is doing that for themselves, the more we don't have the need for that person to do that for us or with us or take over. We don't completely, you want to integrate your life and work on things, but you have to fill yourself up first. You can't have the gaps where you're overlapping. I feel like you have to have I'm whole, you're whole, we're good. Now we can build something awesome together. And it's the, I'm good on my own. We can have fun together. We can build something together. We can be more together, but I don't need you in order to be all of who I am. So I don't know if that answers your no, question. But it's very good. It's uh, seriously. And, and I, I like uh, the explanation. Tiracy, you had an explanation, creating uh, a life you love. It's, I think it, overall, it's the core of it to, to create that life separately of a romantic partner. If you can create that, then adding an amazing partner, uh, a wife, a romantic partner, that's going to be a lot easier than you do it the opposite way where you create it together. I think it's crucial to create it separately and creating that love that you love really what you do, creating a a life, not just feeling, but doing these things going out and playing pickleball, playing tennis, adding these things that you love to do in your life. So, but we're done. I need to know what pickleball is. We'll save that for later. I have no clue. Come to Utah, Ryan. Come to Utah. Great friend group that will teach you. Southerners, I have no clue what that is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's really it's like big a, in Utah. A mix between tennis, badminton, and ping pong. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Play, played on a badminton court. Yeah. Can I jump in on the inter- interdependency thing? Yeah. So I, I love that word. I've always heard it as a, when I read articles and re- research, as a very positive word. And maybe I, I don't want to speak for the four of us, but I, for me personally, and maybe it's your goals as well. Like my long-term goal is to have a partner that I spend my life with. Yeah. Right. Sure. And I have, and I, have I, I still have my friend group and we do our things, but I want to travel with her. I want to go to dinner with her. Of I want course. her to be part of my life. The problem that I think we all encounter because we've all been divorced and clearly from our two podcasts. Now we've all had failed relationships, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> After divorce. So the sucky Let's part. Let's call those learning re- relationships. Right. Yeah. yeah. The sucky exactly. part of that is. Like we each get our mindset up. Like we're still, we all want to love ourselves. We all want our own life. We want to have fun. We want to be whatever those goals are. We want to create them. And then every time we add a person to it, because when you become interdependent, you do sort of kind of cut out a little bit of your time that you're committing to yourself 
to build that relationship, right? And that's completely fine. There's nothing unhealthy about that. And then every time we add that person and then it fails again, we go, oh, shit. Oh, well, I don't know if we can cuss in the podcast or not. That's okay. totally so, fine. <laughs> like, why? Like, how, well, now my mom's going to watch it, so I'm in trouble. <laughs> so we carve out that time. So let's say we, we have the 100% pie. We give 25% of our time to this person, right? Doesn't work. The next person we're like, all right, well, you're getting 20% of this time. Like, I'm not even going to try to give you that. And then by the third, fourth person, we're like, here's 5%, right? And so we're, we want to be interdependent on somebody else because that's my goal. I want a, a partner and we're only giving them 5%, right? Like, and so it's like, how do we get to that point? I don't have the answer. I'm working on it now to figure out how to keep giving this person more piece of my pie. Yeah. And also if for some reason it doesn't work to have realized I lost myself in that point, because when you become interdependent, you do lose some of yourself because you've started adding that person into becoming interdependent. A couple of things on, and I, I, I wrote this down a long time ago to look for it, but when you become interdependent, there's two key things, right? In, in your relationship to not lose yourself. One is active listening and not, so there's listening to talk and then there's listening to understand, right? And so when you're talking to that person, you want that person to be able to go, oh, I understand where you're coming from. And then remaining open and approachable. And so my, my current girlfriend and I, whenever we have a problem or there's something we feel like maybe we're not being understood or we're losing ourselves, like we don't wait to the next day so that it can fester and we become you know, upset and angry and we lose more of ourselves. We do it right away. Like, let's talk through this now. Because if I don't say something, all of a sudden I've lost myself. If my boundary's here and I don't say something, then it's moved back to here and back to here and back to here. So the sooner I can talk and listen and be open and approachable, the, the easier it is. Yeah. But I like, inter, I like interdependency. You all have kids, correct? Yeah. Yes. My kids, thankfully, for the most part, never became codependent. Now, I have a nine-year-old. I guess she could relapse at some point and become codependent. But she's interdependent on me. Like we, she has to have me to, to operate. But I don't have any problem with having interdependency. I, I love it. Yeah. Oh. No, I don't think I don't think pair that it's a negative either. I mean, you're. I'm going to turn the tables on you. You're dating someone. You mentioned. How are you maintaining that, or what does that interdependence mean for you? It's beginning stages of dating, and I think it's important to take it not super fast. You, you start getting to know each other. It's like any friend. Like my two best friends, I've known for five years or more, and uh, that relationship has developed and become an amazing relationship. And these are two guys uh, that I roomated with, and uh, by talking, getting to know each other, sharing being open and vulnerable, but it's not something that you just kind of like open the doors. It's a gradual getting to know each other. You're sharing your life. You spend time with each other. You talk, you argue, you go through life together. And that kind of like yeah, is, is important to, to get to know each other. It's not, if, if you don't have these struggles, a little bit of a uh, up and downs, you're never going to get to know each other. So it's a give and take, being open. It's like Ryan said, when you communicate, to be open and being able to listen actively. We were talking about earlier in this podcast, how do you avoid losing yourself in a future relationship? So that's something that we wanted to, we're going to round off the podcast here. And Ryan, if you wanted to share the story and then just to, we can talk a little bit about that as an ending, how we can avoid that. Sure. So I was divorced about nine months when I met my first girlfriend, my first relationship. And man, I was young. Well, I say young. I was young in the divorce world. So nine months out, I'd done a lot of dating. And in my mind, like, I'll be honest, I, I probably never properly grieved the marriage, yeah. even though I didn't regret it ending, but there's, it, it doesn't matter. There's still a grieving process. I did not do that. But I spent nine months like trying to work on myself, working out a lot. Like I was, as far as my weight, like I, my, I was close to my weight goal. I was close to like different things in my life that I thought, okay, I am loving myself. I'm the, the, finding out who I am. And I met this woman and immediately I have four kids. She had two. We got them around each other. We started spending every weekend together. Didn't live together, but we were at each other's houses basically all the time. And quickly became super codependent. If she couldn't spend time with me on a weekend, like I started thinking, well, maybe I'm not good enough. How am I going to do this? 
and had gotten down to like 202 pounds. I know that really weight isn't a, an important thing, but I was so close to my, my goal. And in 14 months, I was back up to like 227. My testosterone levels were low. I wasn't sleeping well. I was stressed out. Work was suffering. When we finally broke up, I was like, I was worse than I was before my divorce. Wow. I was like a, sh- a shell of a person. And, and not to divulge too much of her life, but she ended up having to spend some time at a facility for some depression and, and some suicidal thoughts because it, was, it didn't just affect me. It, it, we're selfish because we like ourselves, but we're like, we lose ourselves in the relationship. The other person's doing the same thing. They're, they're going through the same struggles and it's hurting them. And then after that, I've spent four years since that relationship trying to figure out how to get into the next relationship and do it right. Because here's the other sucky part. My kids hurt. She hurt. Her two kids hurt. And so I live with the pain of I lost myself, but in the process of losing myself because I wasn't true to me, I hurt my kids, her kids, her. And so I don't want to do that again. So how do you avoid that? (laughs) <laughs> Were you in a third, are we doing a third podcast? Yes, <laughs> definitely. I would say, so my current relationship, we were friends for almost five months before we even thought about being a, anything further, right? Yeah. And so I got to a point of where I knew what I wanted in my life. And I realized, here's what I want. And I had two failed relationships before. So I knew what I didn't want, right? And so in this new person, as far as how do we avoid losing ourselves in this relationship, before I even decided to think about her romantically, so our two foundations could match up better than the other two women that I had worked up with before. Yeah. So that when we started to figure together, I didn't have to go back to my foundation, dig up things. Oh, well, this isn't going to work with her. So I've got to move things around. So this current relationship, I'm not saying we're like 110% compatible, but we're a whole lot closer to being compatible than my other ones. And so when you do that, like Tiersha, I think, shared earlier, like you want somebody to share pickleball. They don't have to share pickleball. But we want somebody that's going to line up with us because if there's if it's a closer alignment, I know they, they say opposites attract. I don't believe that. There's like opposites cause a combustible fire that explodes <laughs> and you're like left with it. Opposites want have somebody chemistry. that's going to line up with closer to what your life goals are and who you are. And, and I've found that. I'm not saying like we're six months in pair almost. I'm not saying two months from now something might happen and we're like, oh, that's not compatible. But so far, so good. Yeah. And Tiercy and uh, Amber, what do you guys say? So for me, I've learned that the more attached to an outcome I am, the more likely I am to lose myself. For me, it's being fully authentic, no matter what the consequences are. Trusting myself to be willing to speak my truth, again, no matter what the consequences are. Really... Under, like when I'm okay with the, whatever happens, then I don't lose myself. When I am worried, like, well, what if I say this or do this or whatever? Like I'm feeling this, but he might react. We won't be able to be on the same page. Looking at things as a learning experience and not an end goal, whatever happens, it works awesome. If not awesome, there was a beautiful experience that I had. And obviously the more you like someone, the harder that can be, but realizing that it's okay if someone that you really like, it doesn't work out. Yeah. I have to constantly pull myself back to that in order for me to love myself enough and to not lose myself. And that's, I, like I said, the more I, a lot of times I think, oh, I've made so much progress. This is great. And then I meet someone and I'm like, well, <laughs> you know, like I back, yes. like maybe not back to step one, but I'm like turning a few pages back in the book and like need to reteach myself this. So that's my how I don't lose myself. That's my roadmap for me. Uh-huh. And sometimes I do better than others at that. So a question there. You said uh, not being attached to an outcome. Can you explain that? Um, and this is where like the more I like someone, the more like it's harder. It's not like there's an expectation, but there's hope, right? And the more like, I really want this to work out. I really would like, I want a life partner too, right? I would really like this person to be somebody that I grow and build with. And so being attached to like, this is the person I want to grow and build with. That's the outcome. 
Yes, that's the outcome. So the more that I can be like, I would love to grow and build with this person, but this person doesn't have to be that person. And even if they're not, uh, Ryan, you mentioned the failed relationships. And I know Tiercy like had reframed that earlier on too. For me, it's important to reframe that because when I look at a a failed relationship, failure, right? Like there's such a negative connotation to that where instead of like something working out, it's not fail. Like there was so much you learn. There was so much, there's so much beauty in a relationship, even when it doesn't work out. And so looking at in the moment, the beauty whatever was learned, whatever was shared, the growth, the progress there and focusing on that more than like, this has to be my end goal. There's nobody out that scarcity mindset. That's what I mean by attachment to it. It has to be this person or it can be this person. If it's this person or bust. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not, that's cool too. Yeah. So what have we changed failed relationship to instead learning, using a learning relationship, a learning relationship. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Do we all yes, agree yeah. on that? I, I, I don't have, a, I don't have a problem with failure. <laughs> 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 yeah. But I get what you're saying. For me, every failure is just a learning experience, but I mean, I mean, what's the definition of failure? Well, why is to not reach what? to not reach the mark? So the pro, like so if we go back to what Amber said, like my attachment was like I want to spend my life with this person, and so because I had an end in mind, I failed. If I can change my mindset to go, there's no end here. This is just I'm going to enjoy life right now. Yeah. And then if it doesn't work out, I've not failed. But because before now, maybe I can change this now and become flossom and have <laughs> learning relationships. Yeah, because. But for me, they were failures because I set an expectation. Like I wanted to reach a goal and I didn't make it. So I, right. I love the mindset change of even if I don't have an end goal, then I can't fail. I can just experience. And he, what I'm itching to say is the likelihood of when we get into a relationship, you're, it's more likely to not have the outcome, have it, that specific mm-hmm. outcome. You are more likely to be in a relationship that doesn't last than you are to be in one that does. That's yeah. why I think if we go in attached to that outcome, we're setting ourselves up for failure. I'm not against right. failure. Michael mm-hmm. Jordan, what was it? He, what, or Michael or Tiger Woods. What's anyway, you know what I'm go, where I'm going yeah. with that. He didn't or Edison, he team. tried 10,000 times to make exactly. the life. Exactly, thank ball. you. Yeah. So I don't want to go in tied to the outcome. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) one of the things I think I need to go into a relationship saying the likelihood that this isn't going to last. I feel like it's more allows me more to maintain who I am. It allows me to not feel that devastation when it doesn't work out because it's more likely not to. And I need to maintain myself. I wanted to answer your question. I think pair the one you ask Amber, and she alluded to this too, but being aware, or sh- being aware that losing ourselves could happen again is the first step in it not happening. So going into relationships saying, okay, I know in all of my other relationships, I've lost myself. I don't want to do that. So the way for me that I have in my mind when I get into another relationship is, does this decision support the life that I have created for myself? Does this decision allow me to maintain that life and that I loved that I was creating when I was single. I think that includes time alone. Taking that mm-hmm. time alone in a relationship is going to be essential because if I'm not alone with myself, I can't be having the conversation with myself. What are my goals? Who is Tiercy? What does she want to focus on? Because I have said some things in my life that are so important for me right now. And some of it's fun. And some of it is I am finally working on my certification that I want for my next career. And I'm so excited. I need time alone to do that. And time alone is okay. I think that's going to be critical for me as much as I love my person. I want to mesh. I like that interdependence. I do want my person to want to play pickleball, but they don't have to. I know like I love crafts. I don't expect a guy to like that. Maybe that's sexist. Guys like crafts as much as girls, <laughs> but I know I'm going to have interests that they may not have interest in, and I'm okay with that. They may have interests that I don't have interest in. Do I want it to be, if it's part of their main interest, then yeah, I want to like that too, because that's who they are. That's If it's their main interest, they may not be compatible with them, right? Like I have a friend who loves to go canyoneering. It is who he is. And it, 
if he's dating someone who doesn't like camping, that may be an issue because that's what you do when you go canyoneering. You can't, you camp and you go canyoneering. You know what I'm saying, but like crafts, not a big part of my life. Pickleball is a part of a bigger goal for me, exercising, getting exercise, being healthy. That's why I play pickleball. And so, uh, plus it's just fun. Ryan, get on the bandwagon. Yeah. I mean, I've I've Googled pickleball. (laughs) There you go. Thank you. The last thing for me is showing up for myself, which is loving myself, knowing no one else is going to watch out for me, but me. And so I need to have that, be able to set that boundary of what this is crossing into my alone time. I love you, babe, but right now I need this. And it's hard sometimes because A, you want to do what they're doing or you feel like, wait, this doesn't feel right. I wanted this. And it's being able to maintain your boundary. It's so hard. I get it. But going back to step one, I'm aware that I have a tendency that I could lose myself. I don't want to let that happen because I'm choosing myself. I'm choosing healthier techniques in this new relationship. A follow-up question. When you said you don't want to fail, so you're looking at a relationship as more possible to fail than to succeed, is that because you're trying to protect yourself? My attitude is more, yeah, it can fail, but I'm all in. My next relationship, I want that to be my last relationship. And I want it to succeed. I want to be the rest of my life. And I think that is very possible. I'm a very early stage in my dating. I think it takes, takes time to get to know each other. But my goal is marriage and a long-term relationship the rest of my life. Now, I think if you've had a lot of failure or you have gone through divorce, it can be a tendency maybe or a risk that you're trying to protect yourself and you not give yourself all to the new relationship. That's my question. So is so any, think, anybody else want to speak into it uh, fairly briefly? It's just a thought that popped out in my mind. It's the mentality to me of, pe- of avoidant people. So I'm going to avoid this because of what's happened in the past. I heard on an Oprah podcast, fight the feelings of the fear, not the person trying to love you. And it's a punishment to the person you're with to hold back because of something that happened in your past. Yeah. But I was reminded, I did a quick Google search. There's a Teddy Roosevelt quote that I love that says the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, And if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither knew victory nor defeat. I've always loved that. I heard it in college. I've always loved it. It's, I think about that a lot. The credit goes to the man who's in the arena, which is being present in your relationship. I will not have, even though it could possibly end, I will not have a relationship without being a hundred percent in it. Or yeah. 100% authentic. I just won't. That's not who I am. I love deeply and I love hard. And that's the love that I enjoy. And I'm going to show up because I want to be in that arena. I want the sweat and the blood and the dust on my face. Yeah, I think it's so important to show up and being authentic, being real and being all in. For me, that's a very crucial to have that. But um, we're going to round off the podcast here. And uh, I just want to give you all uh, a last uh, minute, like last time, to just uh, share some thoughts that you have. You can pick any thought on the subject. And I think one of the keys to having an awesome relationship in the future, to be able to having an awesome life yourself. And I really like that. uh, Create a life you love to to start there. And uh, I'll let you start, Teresa. Just one minute on that subject. Yeah. So you know what? Your future needs you your past doesn't and so I am focused forward my I think I talked about this in in my interview with you the Randy Pausch book like where are my feet planted my feet are planted forward it was about the fake out in football where the coach said look at their feet that will tell you where they're going to go the direction they're going to go my direction is on my future and I will romanticize the idea of my future I want good I want happy I know that there's things out of my element out of my control but my feet are planted forward. I, I do care about my future and I care about 
showing up for myself, being the best, most authentic person I can. And that's loving myself, feeling my emotions, addressing them, feeling them, navigating them, and then just loving myself. That's awesome. Very good. Ryan. Yeah. Being the woman in, in Boise. So we're 1,983 miles apart. And she and I both have people all the time that'll message us on Facebook or something. We don't put a lot of stuff on Facebook. We'll put it at a restaurant or whatever. And they know that we're long distance. And they're like, how do you do it? Like, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I couldn't date a woman five miles from me when I first started. It blew up in a toxic relationship. Then the next relationship was 55 miles apart and it blew up in a toxic relationship. And now I've got somebody who's almost 2000 miles apart. And when she and I talk about why our relationship works is because when we both went into it, we were both very clear in the beginning. Here's who I am. Here's some of my life goals. Here's what I want. And I respect what she wants. And I like her for who she is. And if I were to expect her to change, vice versa, and lose some of herself, she wouldn't be that person, right? So she wouldn't be the person that I'm falling in love or falling in love with. So it's very important. Here's the scary part about dating after divorce is we don't know where other people are in their stage of healing. We don't know if they're willing to be that person that has open communication and also not become codependent. And it, I hate to say it's luck, but it's like finding that other person that's willing to not lose themselves and is also willing to say, I'll fight for you to not lose yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to make sure that she has time with her. Like we talk a lot. But I'm like, hey, have you talked to this week? Have you talked? Have you done this week? Have you want to do this? Have you what are you doing to put in those times? And so she does the same thing for me. So I think it's important when you get into a relationship and if you're wanting to not lose yourself. One of the cool things is I also want to make sure that person doesn't lose their self. And so you're almost like accountable with one another of I'm going to make sure that you become who you want to become. So but yeah. finding that other person that's willing to put all, all that work in. I mean, I had to go 2000 miles away. So <laughs> Very powerful. Amber. Yeah. So basically wrapping up all my thoughts on all these things and going off of what you said last. For me, the more I'm afraid of something ending, the more likely I am to go into protection mode. And I think that's why I get detached from the outcome or try to be or losing myself mode. Protection mode is there's both. The more I don't need them to love me because I love myself the more I don't need them to be something specific. I can just let them be themselves. And most of the time that ends up being better than what I thought I wanted. But there's a reciprocal there that the more that I can do that. And if I find someone that can do that for me too, the more I get to be myself and the more I get to love myself, show up authentically, be whatever and whoever I am, not be afraid of, messing it all up. The more that I can do that and find someone that matches me at that level, the more we are encouraging our own self-love and our own paths and our own stability and wholeness. That's something that's taken me years and years to learn, but yeah. has been incredibly impactful. That is so good. I agree with all you guys. And I think it's very important to be able to be who you are, to be authentic, either in the relationship or not in a relationship. To be able to be, be me constantly and not being afraid of being me. And that's uh, what you said, Amber. I, I think it's so cool to be able to be you and not being afraid of messing up and to be able to be that person in a relationship, out of the relationship, wherever you are, to be transparent and open. And um, not trying to change the other person, just loving the person who they are and supporting that and supporting their growth and my growth and where you can both support each other and not becoming codependent, but interdependent and growing in, in a very healthy relationship, kind of like two trees growing side by side they're themselves, but they're close to each other. And uh, I think that recaps this episode quite well. I just wanted to say a big thank you to all of you in the podcast, Tiercy, Amber, Ryan. It's been a pleasure, just like last time, so much fun. And the podcast is just to help people through divorce. This podcast can be for anybody in a relationship or friendship, learning how to love yourself and uh, how you go from being lost and lonely or lost in a relationship to being deeply connected with yourself 
and therefore being able to move into a, a very healthy future relationship. And uh, this podcast I send every week and uh, looking forward to uh, an amazing 2021. So thank you so much. Thank Thanks, you. Pear. Thank you. And you, you all take care. I just wanted to invite you to our weekly Authentic Connection Workshop that we have every Monday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, where we gather in a Zoom room and we have a workshop to learn how to go from being lonely, disconnected, not having friends, to learn the skills on how to connect, how to have deep, fulfilling friendships and relationships. And this training I'll have every Monday. It's free for you listeners that wants to become better at connecting with other people. It can be with your friends, to gain friends, to not being lonely. I went through extreme loneliness, and this is some of the training I went through with my mentor and trainer, John Maxwell. And I will teach you the five principles of connecting. And we will also practice those connections with each other in this workshop. And I really want you to check it out. I'd love to interact with you. And it's going to be a lot of fun. You might feel uncomfortable initially to, to join, but please join. There's so much power in just taking that active step instead of sitting passively at home, not having those friends. This will also help you to connect with romantic relationships or with your children or in work. So this type of training, you will be benefited by in all areas of life. It's one of the most important things to learn is how to connect with other people. And I'm really looking forward to hearing from you. And click on the link in the description below to schedule your attendance at the meeting. And it's limited to 12 people. So make sure that you book it as soon as possible. Love to see you there.